everyone. Welcome back to an all new episode of the 20% podcast. And this week's episode number 52 marks the one year anniversary of starting the show. This has been such an incredible and rewarding year. And I want to thank everybody so much for the incredible support on this journey. I've met so many fantastic people over the year and have built so many incredible relationships. And this podcast has allowed me to speak to so many incredible people like ex-Navy SEALs, TEDx speakers, best-selling authors, Shark Tank contestants, Olympic gold medalists, sales legends, CEOs, and, and the list goes on and on. And I've learned so much on this journey, and I hope you all have as well. Mark, today's show... I have Steve Richard on the podcast. Steve is a founder at ExecVision, which is a conversation intelligence platform. Steve is as real as it gets, and it's his mission, and he has dedicated his life to help other sales professionals become wildly successful. And if you follow Steve on LinkedIn, you'll see him sharing tips every single day. They're all aimed at actionable things that you could do in that very day. So Steve, thank you so much for that. In today's episode, we discussed wearing multiple hats, the importance of influence, lesson learned in acting class, consistency, accountability, and much more. Please enjoy this episode with Steve Richard. Steve, thank you so much for joining the 20% podcast. How are you? Good, Tyler. Good being here. Thanks As I was me. just mentioning, I was just mentioning, uh, uh, I love your LinkedIn videos. If you guys don't follow Steve, you need to. He, he's not only a wealth of knowledge when it comes to sales and, you know, always posting about his family and stuff like that. Um, he does it while he's, he's out uh, riding his bike or running or so, something like that. So Steve, do you, do you just come up with these ideas as you're on your run or is it something you learn prior to actually going? Yeah. So that's a good, I get, I actually get that question a little bit. So, um, usually in, in the course of just my life and just, you know, uh, being, sometimes I'm selling opportunities myself. Sometimes I'm mentoring younger people on how to sell opportunities. Sometimes I'm working with prospecting teams, doing prospecting training or customer success teams or learning lessons myself along the way being taught. But whatever it is, just in the course of every day, day in and day out, I learn at least one thing personally about buying and selling. Um, so what I've started doing, or I'm reminded of something. So what I started doing is, is I just, uh, I'll, I'll jot those down on my calendar as tips. Uh, or in many cases, it's literally when I go running, it's the time that your brain is relaxed. And I'm not, I don't have, I'm, you know, I don't have anything else in my mind. And then they'll just come to me. I'll be reminded of something that I haven't thought of in a long time or something that relates to a sales uh, deal that we're trying to close. I love that too. Just out of curiosity, do you listen to like podcasts or something when you run or do you listen to, to music that you love? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. I never get that one. A um, little bit of music, but mostly I actually listen to the New York Times podcast, The Daily. Now I'm a moderate. I'm very, very, very center. So, and I know media these days get everybody up in arms, but I do like, they, they do a good job of when you can hear what the facts are and strip away the commentary and the editorial. Uh, it's, it's great. So I love, I love listening to the daily and you know what, here's a, a, a thing I'm kind of ashamed to admit. I don't listen to sales podcasts. I never have. I've read a ton of sales books. I've absorbed a ton of sales content over time, but just never in the form of podcasts for whatever reason. Interesting. Well, I'm happy that you're helping to contribute to my book as well. So, so thank you so much for that. And, and does this, does then just knowing the daily news help with your business acumen as well? I mean, you're, you're a CEO right now, correct? A founder, my business partners are CEO and I'm kind of like the guy who does everything and anything customer facing. And, and also I get into the product in many cases and do like, you know, product release notes and things like that. But um, it, it's a great question. The answer is yes, unequivocally. I got this advice from a guy named Mike Archer, who is the we would now call him the chief revenue officer of my old company, Exec Vision, or excuse me, corporate executive board. That's what I meant, uh, where I started working. Corporate executive board is part of Gartner now. And, uh, and he said, read, 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 read business publications, read the business section in the newspaper, just general news, uh, read Forbes, read Inc. Magazine, 
read online about business. So I read a ton about business. Actually, a couple of my favorite favorites now. Shout out for The Hustle. It's a daily email newsletter. Phenomenal. So go, go to The Hustle and sign up. It's free, long form, excellent business journalism. And then another one, I, I read the, the pitch book updates. The pitch book updates come out every day about uh, it's kind of news news of the VC and private equity world. Between those two, I get I get a lot of my news that way, and then I then I uh, listen to the daily and I read the, the Washington Post. So funny enough, I'm actually reading more. Uh, you know, it's less about sales now for me. It's more about like general business stuff. But I've got a stack of sales books. I just don't get on planes, Tyler. So when I used to get on planes, that's when I would read all my sales books. Uh, and now that I don't fly anywhere, I just don't have myself sitting down with a computer battery that's dying and then, oh, it's dead. And I still got three hours till I get to SFO. Well, pull out the book. That's what I used to do. Um, but now I don't, I don't, I don't travel. <laughs> so, so how is that too? diving a little bit deeper, know, knowing what I know about you and you have a family just from, from the, from my, how I know you on LinkedIn and your, and your personal brand. Um, how has that been of just being home now? I mean, do you enjoy so much more time spending with your family? Oh. As they're in the background, <laughs> as, as one of them runs by to go back out to this like ridiculous inflatable pool, thirteen foot dam or pool in the backyard. Yes, the answer is yes. Changed my life. I feel guilty saying this. A lot of people struggled in twenty twenty. We flourished. I mean, uh, so I, I do feel a little bad. It was tough. It, it is business travel. You know, doing it for five years is hard enough. I've been doing business travel pretty consistently since let's call it two thousand six or seven. So that's a long time, 15 years, and it's it's hard on the family. It's just it just is. I don't care where you're going or for how long. And and most weeks I was going two nights a week. Most weeks, sometimes three, sometimes one. Rarely would there be a week that I was home uh, all week. It was almost never that there, I would say. And and it and uh, you know when it shut down. And th here's the interesting thing. I was a little concerned about our business for a while that 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 would impact our business. Now, of course, ExecVision is a, is a technology platform; it's a SaaS platform. Um, but still, getting on site with a customer just drives a lot of the customer success, or at least I thought. Actually, turns out engagement does. It doesn't matter if it's over Zoom or Microsoft Teams or WebEx or whatever. So, uh, no, it's it, we've been fortunate. The the customer success and outcomes are just as good as they've ever been, if not better. And I don't have to get on an airplane. And you could get more meetings in for that time that you'd be traveling as well. So have way, you... way more. My personal productivity has got to be three X. I mean, I don't know how to measure it exactly, but right. I, I, I can work with, you know, 10 customers in a day. Whereas before, if I could work with two or three, I'd be lucky. Wow. That, that is incredible, Steve. Yeah. So there is, and, and I say that too, I mean, we, our son was born in 2020, our, our first son. So um, you know, that, that was a silver, thanks man. That was a silver lining for us. And we say, no matter what kind of year it was for us, that was, you know, obviously the, the golden, the golden thing, but I'm, I'm glad to hear that you're so much more productive and, and getting more time with the family. Um, and thank you for the, for those, um, those other uh, publications as well. I think you actually, one of your LinkedIn posts actually got me into the hustle. So um, I do, I, uh, I haven't read it, but I do have them coming up in my email. So, so thanks for the reminder of, uh, of actually getting into this. So what's the importance of, of, you mentioned that it sounds like you wear multiple hats at your current company. What's the importance of, of doing that, whether you're in a sales role or no matter what role you're in? Um, you know, it's, it depends. If you're in a bigger business role, uh, segmentation and specialization, Henry Ford assembly line mentality is generally going to be better. But what I have seen is a lot of examples of people that work at real big companies and they have a very, very, very narrow band of expertise. And when they then try to go to smaller companies where they have to pick up more, sometimes they struggle because the reality is if you don't have a thousand employees, if you have 15 or 20 employees, 
you're just going to have to be a jack of all trades and figure have your figure it out factor work for a lot of stuff and not just a very specific part of email marketing, for example, or a very, very specific part of, uh, SD, let's use SDRs because I know, you know, that's where you come from, uh, inbound versus outbound. I've, I've seen people who are really good at inbound SDRs and then they struggle mightily when it comes to outbound. So learning to be more of a renaissance person as opposed to just being really good at one thing, I would, right. I mean, I'd certainly recommend for anybody over, over the course of their career. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love that. And I, I'm, I'm lucky enough to be a full cycle account manager right now. So I have, I get to see all of those areas of the sales process. So, so, um, so I completely understand where you're coming from there. So about the book, I'm a true believer that sales skills are life skills. And the name of the book is going to be all roads lead to sales, how the skills you learn in sales build a foundation to a successful life, really tying together my journey of studying. I studied exercise physiology in college hmm. and then fell into sales, but it's really been the best fall. So I really want to help a lot of those kids who are in that same position as me, or, you know, as, as a father, it could help, help guide your kids on what, I mean, I know you don't have to tell them why sales is, you know, you don't need me to tell them why sales is great, but, um, but that's kind of where my, my main focus is. And, and really, no matter what job you're yeah. in, you're always going to be selling. So yeah, that's a big passion of mine. Yeah. So if somebody asked you, why should someone start their career in sales, or at least hold a sales position at some point or another, what would you tell them? Uh, I'll, I'll use a line from, I think it was Chris Corcoran, who's one of the founders of a company called Memory Blue that funny enough, I have a company called Voresight that we compete. It's an appointment setting firm, outsourced appointment setting, but they're also, they also use exec vision, our technology, but so I'll shout out Chris on this one. He said, when I first learned about the appointment setting SDR, what we now call BDR SDR type of role, I almost thought it was a secret because he said, you know, I, I, you graduate from college. You know, you're not going to be a doctor, lawyer, accountant. You sort of start to understand what your career is going to be based on things you don't want to do right. <laughs> almost as much as things you do want to do. Then there's a segment of people that just, they don't know what they want to do. So they go get a, ma a master's of something. They go to, you know, that was me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and, you know, uh, that you can rack up a lot of school loans before, you know, you figure out what you want to do there yep. and you're paying them off later. So he said it was almost like, it almost felt like sales was a secret career that you never hear anything about. Right. And, and then, and then for some for now, here are the stats. Now these stats are old, but career builder, um, they were actually in the Atlanta area. They used to be uh, Chicago, but they had a big operation there and, and uh, monster had more or less the same stats back in the day. 50% of recent college grads get into sales or a sales related career for their first job. However, 50% of those people wash out within the first 12 months, and then they don't return to the profession, which I think that's, that to me is troublesome because what that's showing is that there's, there are, I mean, look, Tyler, every sales leader I talk to, every single one I'm talking to right now is hiring. And they're all saying, I can't, I can't find people. I can't right. get people. And the fact we have a huge gap, forget about retraining on like, you know, how to be a blue collar person, work on a machine or working in a, a coal oil, a coal field or something like that, you know, coal mine, like there should be retraining on, you know, there's a tremendous amount of sales jobs. Many of them now, doesn't matter where you live, as long as you have an internet connection. Right. You can learn this. Honestly, you don't even need a high school degree. Although, you know, having an education, I'll always be a fan of education. But, but you know, you can do it without it. It's possible. And you've got a tremendous number of people that are perfectly capable of this. And they've never even thought of it before. And I really do look at what we're doing in secondary education and going, why? You know, and, and you're seeing a lot of schools, colleges and universities that are building sales programs now. So we're seeing more and more sales programs, some sales majors. Right. Um, Dr. But Dover, right? UT Dr. Dallas. Dover, UT Dallas being a prime example. And there's a lot of others too. 
uh, Catholic's got a, a, a professor or JMU. I mean, a lot of schools will have at least a professor or, you know, dedicated or oriented to, around sales. And then, but very rarely you're going to see a major in all that focus. And if you look at what those people do after they get out of those programs, they are making just as much money as the people that get into investment banking, which was the career that I thought I was supposed to do. I mean, why? Because I don't know, everybody else I grad, not everyone, half the people I graduated with became investment bankers. I couldn't get a job. I went over 22. So I think there's a big thing right now is we got to see that gap be close. So good for you for doing this. And, and I think that another, another big thing is we do a disservice when we know a friend uh, a friend's kids that are graduating. Uh, I'm a little older. I'm 40. So I can, you know, I start like my older neighbors that have kids that are graduating college now, mm -hmm. you know, or even before graduation. Hey, what's uh, Pete up to? Our, our best account executive, Peter Cook. He, I mean, he, he started as an SDR. And before that he was an intern and he picked it up so fast. Yeah. And if, if I went, you know, if I go back in the day, I think there was a moment because he was a neighbor. He was one of my neighbors down the street. And I got another intern right now, Ryan Dodds, who's also, he was my old neighbor on my old street. If I didn't say to his mom, hey, what's Pete up to this summer? Does he want an internship? Like we need interns. You know, for me, interns are, you know, cost-effective labor because they're very smart people that are going to make, you know, right. hourly, a lot, lot better work product than you're going to get from the average person making 12 bucks an hour. And, and uh, on the flip side, they're well positioned so that when they do graduate, they can just go right. and, and take off. So I just think all of us, it's not just about colleges and universities, like every one of us in the sales profession that's passionate about the sales profession where it's changed our life in a positive way. If we're not passing that along to other people, shame on us. Yeah, it's an absolute disservice. And that's where I, I really want to try to focus in because the main thought of sales is like, oh, used car salesman, or you know, it's a shifty profession. But really- I think there was no formal education in high school or college about, and or, or, I mean, obviously college there is now, but I see it as you should have a, a prerequisite of sales or have that early because guess what? Once you're done with college, you need to go to an interview. You're selling yourself right there. And people yes, are, are so afraid of those opportunities, right? Yep. And, I, and I'll give you another funny story. So when I first started in sales, I had four roommates, some of my best friends, still my, still my best friends from high school. And, uh, you know, I would, I would, it was, it was kind of ridiculous. I mean, it was a sales floor with a hundred people. Uh, and I would bring home these daily awards. If you got three meetings in a day, they gave you this little, it was like a little plastic flag mm -hmm. and it was, it, they called it a hat trick award. And it was like a little, little triangle. So it was the dumbest little thing, piece yep. of plastic, but to me, it represented a lot and, you know, credit my manager who came up with that thing. Nikki Stevens back in the day, she was great. She came up with this idea of, you know, it's something symbolic that means something in a piece of plastic. And it, honestly, in some ways it was better than if they had given a $50 Starbucks gift card or something. I don't even like Starbucks. Right. So, and I don't go there. So for me, that was more, and I, I would, I would put them on the wall in the apartment. Now they would make fun of me. My buddies, they were all in law school, three of them all in law school at the same time. And they, oh, there's old Gil, you know, the Simpsons character selling old Gil selling, you know, those wares and everything, getting his awards. And, and at those same guys, and they were all just joking around, but those, that same group of guys now, they're all on the partner track or they are partners came back to me and said, uh, yeah, can I pick your brain on sales? Because now as a partner, a law firm, you're expected to bring in business and it's called business development. And, you know, I know you generate business through referrals and networking and all these kinds of things going to events, but it's not cold calling, but when push comes to shove, you got to sell. Right. And, and they're coming back looking for that. And actually some of them even said, geez, you've done pretty well in your career. Maybe I should have gone into sales. Right. Um, you're, you know, making, you're, you're making, making lawyer, lawyer money. You're making you can, doctor you can money. Make lawyer money. Yeah. yeah, yeah the, best, the best salespeople make lawyer money or better. 
Right. Uh, but you know, anyone at the top of their, anybody who, who hits the top 5%, 1% of their respective career is going to make unbelievable money. But also if you look at those people and you say, why do you do it? They're, they're not going to reference the money at that point. They're, right. they're, they're going to reference the love of that. If you're not, if you don't love what you're doing day in and day out, the money won't follow. If you do love what you're doing day in and day out, the money can follow. Right. And I, I think that's so interesting that you brought up the lawyer example of them selling, because I think of like, for example, you know, what if a kid goes to, to college thinking they want to be a doctor and goes to seven years of school and then realizes that they don't want to actually be a doctor because they didn't know the pain points that they go through. What if you took a sales job for a year selling to doctors so you could learn more about what their pains are, what their issues are. If you really want to get involved with that, you could learn a lot about that person. Right. And yeah. set yourself up for success later. An interesting point I'd never considered. It actually makes a ton of sense. You know, yeah, so, I mean, heck, even if it's two or three months, you'll understand more what they deal with. I, uh, going back to the doctors, uh, you know, you talk to more people who are doctors now, depending on how they're set up and what type of doctor they are, but they say more of my time is spent on business. They're not sales. And it's not like there's, oh, you need a kidney operation. That's, you don't do that. But, but they but, are but, selling, but, they are selling medications. Now I'm not like pushing yeah. them, but like selling to the, why they should take it. Right. Yeah. Or why you should do this exercise. Influence, influence. Yeah. But they certainly have to run a business. Right. You know? So I think that's a, I think it's well said that point. Yeah, absolutely. So why do you believe that sales skills are the foundation to a successful career? Uh, because everything that happens in the world is based on influence and influence can be online and social media, as we saw, as we, as we see going on right now, which is insane with bots and everything else. Mm -hmm. Influence, influence can be in person, influence can be done over email and the written word, the spoken word, all different things. And even something as simple as the interactions you have with, you know, your significant other on what you're going to have for dinner is all based <laughs> on influence. So those so are the I toughest think, sales too, by the way. No, you know, I internally trying to convince a business partner to buy something. Good luck with that. That's a, that's a way tougher sell. So yeah, no, I, I think it's very important. Uh, I wouldn't say everybody, but I'd say most people should consider it. I, I think people should give sales the respect it deserves and start thinking about it, it with respect like they would other professions, like accountants. Like we, we generally respect, we might make fun of accountants or lawyers or various people for their things. But as a general rule of thumb, people respect them. I think as a general rule of thumb, there's a lot of people out there that do not respect sales or the sales profession. They right. just don't because uh, they they treat it like, uh, oh, what are you like a telemarketer or right. you're, you know, what are you selling like used cars like you were saying? So right. I, I, we have to give it the respect it deserves because if, if you tomorrow, if all salespeople hypothetically went on strike, um, I can't remember the number exactly, but I saw some stat. It was like X percent of the global economy would just completely screech to a halt. Right. Yeah. So you got to respect that. Got to respect it. Absolutely. And that's so funny. You use the, uh, the significant other example, because I use that one all the time, or even trying to get your kids to, to, to eat broccoli or something. Right. I mean, like, no matter what you're doing, you're selling. So another question, I want to take a, take a step back here. I truly believe that some of the first jobs that you have, they're skills that you're going to learn. Obviously, they're transferable, but the skills that you're acquiring are significantly more than $8.50 an hour that you're making when you first start, right? Some of these totally. minimum wage jobs. Could you think back of a time to one of your first jobs where you learned some skills that you're currently leveraging now, whether it was you know being a waiter or a bartender or even in your first sales job? Yeah, 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 for, for sure. I mean, I'll give you I'll give you two. I mean, without question, I was a, a server at the Austin Grill in Georgetown during college. You learn a, just a ton about how do you deal with people because you're going to get all different types. 
and you're going to get all different sort of reactions and you've got to be able to handle all those situations with grace because uh, in many cases inside you're thinking like I can't stand this person I'm revolted by them and I want to get away from those as quick as possible they're horrible and your other server people are going with you back in the kitchen and be like oh geez you've got you know Fred at table six you know and oh by the way at the end you're gonna get a five percent tip and change you know so you got you got to learn how to do it and deal with it with a smile on your face and and and, and have the ebbs and flows be kind of smoothed out so that's that's a big one. I'll tell you another funny one that it's not really a job, but it's uh, actually the acting class I took at Georgetown was one of the most influential in, influential classes on me. So I think everyone should take an uh, an acting class. There was a little bit of improv based in that too. I've seen some improv sales training stuff that I would super excited to get into somewhere down the road, and and get real real geek out on that. So what did you learn in this, uh, just diving a little bit deeper, I'm really curious about this acting class. What about the acting class was really interesting? Like what skills did it help cultivate? You, because you recorded yourself. So you see what you're doing physically, what you sound like. You, it, it's, it's the ultimate smack in the face on self-awareness. So you, you become instantly self-aware in a good way, because then after that, you realize how you can control what you're doing. And that was the thing that kind of surprised me. Emma, get a towel. If you're... Okay. <laughs> so she's running in and out of dripping water all the way. So, uh, you, you know, you, you, when you're in, what I learned in sales, because in the beginning, my natural instincts were not effective. So I was in a, a room of about 100 at corporate executive board. I was one of the bottom 20 percentile. And then what happened is I sat with the best people and I just watched what they did and I wrote it down. So it's just, observation. I didn't judge. I just observed. And then I started doing more of what they did. And a lot of what they did did not feel natural. So in other words, I had to bring a different part of myself or a different voice that I didn't, I didn't really know I have. And it's very like, very much like acting. So I drew on that experience from acting of extending yourself to be somebody who you're not quite naturally on your own, uh, but you're still yourself, right? You're anchored the same way. And it worked. And, and that's where, you know, it was like, and then I combined, you know, various elements of other people's approaches. And, and then it became my own professional selling voice, which to this day, my wife, it's just, she's like, it drives me nuts when you're like this other version of yourself, but it's very much me. Right. It's like the other, you know, half of me. You know? Right. That's so interesting too. And I think, cause I think Sarah Brazier actually came from an acting background too. I don't know. Do you know, she's an AE over at Gong. Mm -hmm. um, so it's really interesting to hear that like, I love these transferable skills. I know, do you know Lori Richardson? Very well, yep. She was a teacher before she went into sales. And yeah. I guess teachers are some of the best salespeople as well. So that's, that's super interesting um, to me as well. Um, I wanted to ask another question on the, um, on the acting side of things too. Oh, practice. You have to practice as well uh, you when, do. You're, when you're you acting. Do. And, and, and actually, that was, it was funny. That was, I, I took that class, I think, thinking that I was, it was going to be like the, you know, mail it in for the three credits type of thing. Like this yep. is going to be real easy, like underwater basket weaving. And as it turns out, I probably worked harder in that class than I did in, in other classes. So, uh, cause there's, there is a lot of rehearsal and practice that goes into it in order to have the scene turn out the way that it should and the way that you want it to. So yeah, but a lot of people look at these Hollywood actors and think they get paid all this money to, to you know, more or less do, do this game, but they're, they're working. <laughs> Don't, don't be fooled in order to get a good product. You got to work your tail off. Wow. I love that. That, that is so cool. That, that pumps me up. Thank you so much, Steve. So two more quick questions. Um, being a father, what's your best piece of, of parenting advice to somebody who has a year old kid? 
nothing more important than unconditional love, number one. This is advice I got from the guy who, one of my old mentors, guy who ran my middle school. And then, and then the next thing is, is just clear, and actually this is sales management advice too, clear uh, rewards and consequences clear understandings of where the parameters are, what's okay and what's not okay. And, and then, and then routine. And if you create that routine, it's, I wrote an article about sales leadership. I said, it's, it's two words, the two most important words in sales leadership are consistency and accountability. And I, I argue those are probably the two most important words in parenting are consistency and accountability. And there's no better way to influence a sales organization, sales reps. It's probably no better way to influence children than through consistency and accountability. Because you can't always be there and you can't tell them what to do every single time. And nobody wants to learn through telling anyway. Right. So you have to give them parameters and then trust that they're going to make smart decisions and stuff like too much time on the screen or goodness, when they become teenagers, I don't even want to think about it. So, <laughs> Well, let's not think about that right now. Uh, very good, Steve. Final question I have for you. If you were teaching a college 101 class based upon your previous life experience, what would you teach and why? Sales, without question. Actually, I had, I had a professor uh, at Georgetown, another impartial one. Uh, he was, he's a wealth management guy, Will Finnerty, and he was an adjunct professor there. Uh, and he, he taught an entrepreneurship class. I guess it wasn't a sales class per se, but it was an entrepreneurship class. Mm -hmm. And it was phenomenal. I mean, and pretty much every week he would have a different guest lecturer come in. Uh, so I had a chance to get exposed to a lot of entrepreneurs. And then as a result of that, sales. Uh, and then, and then he got, I got a great internship through him through to a friend of his named Jared Patton. That's got this company, real estate resource group. Uh, and just awesome. I mean, it was awesome. So I would say entrepreneurship and sales, those need to be taught much, much more and, and kind of spark the fire within people. Steve, I love it. Thank you so much, man. How, where can people learn more about you besides LinkedIn? I put the link on that LinkedIn for my tips of the day. Just Check out tips today. Connect with me on LinkedIn. They'll, they'll, they'll flow into your feed. Set a bookmark for that or follow it and it'll, they'll pop up along the way. So maybe if you could put that in the, in the, somewhere in the notes, Tyler, I don't know where we're going to do it. Absolutely, man. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening into today's episode. I've been really getting some great feedback from listeners and many have left a rating and review on Apple podcast as well. If you enjoy the show, I would really appreciate if you could leave a review as well. It truly goes a very long way in spreading the word for our guest and also allows me to continue to bring on more incredible guests and onto the show. Stay tuned for next week's episode. Thank you so much, everyone.